0: Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It is Friday morning, the 15th, the 15th of September, halfway through. Who would have thought? A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longridge, 4GC Charters Towers in the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. So much to get through this morning, a big show A $100,000 bull sold yesterday at the Grove Shorthorns. Who would have thought? Spencer Morgan will join us. We'll catch up also. We're not going to talk about renewables as much after today. I'm sick to death of it, but the Prime Minister's coming out and he's made these bold statements and the Premier wants to put a desalination plant in again and we're going to have water and, oh, it's extreme. We'll talk about that. Senator Susan MacDonald, um, a regular on this show, she will join us as well this morning on Rural Queensland today. And we will look at some of the big results as well. A very congratulations um, to the Greenup family. They had a great sale yesterday at Idesvale, um and big supporters of rural Queensland today. Rick and Alice Greenup set the tone uh, for their bulls. They hit a higher 29,000 and uh, it was a, the new venue with the new grandstands and everything that's taking on at Belvedere property at Ideswale. Uh, 108 bulls sold for the Greenup family to average $8,778. 100 of 109 bulls. um, The classified bulls sold. 11 commercial bulls. 9 of 11 sold. So, well done to the Green Up family. A great result as well. Top of 29 to average 8,778 for the Idesvale Station, Santa Catrudis. Um, The Green Ups, um, just a a really, really great family, Rick and Alice. And um, they sold very well yesterday. Um, So, the Green Up family had a good result. Also... Uh, do I, I just want to say, to the Glenlands Droughtmaster sale, um, it was a huge performance for them. Uh, 196 bulls offered for an average of 22,459, resulting in a $4 million gross. They broke a record yesterday of 230,000 set by Glenlands. Um, yeah, two, unbelievable. 230,000 set for a bull. Uh, who would have thought? Um, yeah, Gary and Liz O'Neill from Ralston they paid 240 this time. 240,000 from Niander in Ralston. Um, and everybody thought that was unbelievable. Moments later, the bar was lifted when a bull made $320,000. Knocked down in partnership with a South African um, stud and Samari started at Jordan. So unbelievable. Unbelievable. There were bulls everywhere and um, well done to everybody involved. So a huge average. Uh, once again, and um, a record yesterday uh, with a bull making $320,000, and that is a record for the Drought Master stud. We will talk um, to Spencer Morgan uh, very shortly as well. Uh, what a great result that was for Glenlands as well. So much going on. Let's get into it. Senator Susan MacDonald, she joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. It is Friday morning, the 15th of September on Rural Queensland Today. Senator Susan MacDonald joins us this morning for her weekly chat on the show. Senator, good morning and thank you so much for being with us.
1: Good morning, Ben. It is great to talk to you and uh, catch up on what's happening out of Canberra and across the country.
0: Uh, firstly, how was the conference last week? Obviously, there was a lot there to discuss and siphon through, Um Good to have everybody in one room um, to make sure that, you know, you guys are all singing from the same hymn sheet as such.
1: Yeah, that is exactly right. So it was the National Party Conference. And as you know, while we're the LNP in Queensland, it's a very successful uh, organisation. But when we cross the border, we sit either with the Liberal Party or the National Party group. So uh, last weekend, all the NAPs from across Australia and the CLP from the Northern Territory, uh, we came together and we discussed uh, the big issues, particularly affecting rural and regional Australia. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about today, Ben, is is what I'm concerned about, which is the significant challenge for food production in this country.
0: Well, it's such an important part of it, Senator. I mean... We really need to protect our own, and what is looking like more and more is that we have a Labor government hellbent on destroying. Now, we know um, that Tanya Plibersek has absolutely, 100%, as the environmental minister, used all her powers to change the landscape for agriculture, and we are under threat, and I don't want to be in any way dramatic around this. If we don't make change and if we do not oust the Labor government at the next election, we are in a hell of a mess long term. And I'm talking through the fishing industry. I'm talking through the beef industry, around the laws around the Great Barrier Reef. You can see what's going on day to day with what is going on with the extremists going on to people's properties. We have no protection of our food source and our food production in this country at the moment.
1: Ben, that is exactly right. And in Australia, we are incredibly lucky. We have enjoyed stable government for generations. It's the basis of our constitution. We have been able to just get on with the business of being Australians, growing our fantastic agricultural communities, our um, mining communities. And we have to be clear, this Labor government is not traditional Labor. It's not the Labor that you and I think about who, you know, would be thinking about protecting workers and whatnot. That is not their focus anymore. Their focus is a, a left wing agenda that has no place in Australia. Uh, it's not proud of the incredible standards that we do things to in Australia, that uh, there are well paid jobs coming from uh, the, the high level, high quality of agricultural production that we do. Uh, there's no recognition of that at all. And instead, we have this. Agenda which is very, I'm I'm loath to say even European because it's further less than that. The Greens in Europe are nothing like this and Labor in Europe is nothing like this. This is an agenda that is about stopping things with no plan for what we're going to start. What I wanted to talk to you about today was we have decision, government decision after government decision, which all goes towards making it harder for Australian farmers and fishers and forestry workers to do what we do so bloody well that it is world-class standard. Uh, so Tanya Plibersek has been writing to offshore uh, entities like UNESCO and making arrangements about what Australian uh, fishers are allowed to do. We've already seen the, the terrible gilmet bans. Uh, now she's moving into the Gulf Water catchment where... Uh, the trawlers um, do fantastic jobs for fishing, for uh, barramundi, and prawns, other things, and they have always managed those fishing stocks appropriately. Uh, and instead, what she wants to do is close down that style of commercial fishing that allows you and me to eat wild caught barramundi, to eat prawns, to eat uh, seafood caught in Australian waters, and and I don't know what we have to do because this is this is the ultimate end. If we don't catch and use our own produce, we have to import it from somewhere else, or we drive up the price of food to limit uh, to to manage the limited supply. And then Ben, I'm sorry to go on, but there is one more thing that I. Would no, 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 please yes, do
0: because you, what what you're saying is is so terribly important that people need to listen because this is the threat that we're under. Like, you just talk about that as well. That is the threat. So keep on going, Senator.
1: So the, the next one is something that in North Queensland and regional Queensland, we probably don't think about a lot. And it's the Murray-Darling Basin. It's a long way away. It's complex. It always seems to be a big fun fight between the states. And uh, and so I've certainly been guilty of thinking, oh, that's, that's not, you know, that's not my bag. But... This is the this is what happened is that at the election, when Tanya Plibersek got in, she made a decision to remove all the water funding from North Queensland. So we've been through the list before. It was the early establishment works for Richmond Irrigation Scheme, for the Hulandin Land Bank and IPCo for the uh, for the Hillsgate project, for Dam, for the pipeline to Bowen. I feel like I've missed another one, but there's all water projects in the North were were defunded and that money, those billions of dollars she is using, the Environment Minister is using to buy back water in the Murray Darling. Now the reason why this is bad is that the Murray Darling has over uh, the last few decades been working hard on being more efficient with water use about uh, tidying up water licenses and allocations and some of it has been incredibly painful. The water buybacks in uh, southern Queensland and other uh, irrigated areas has, has been incredibly painful because it takes water not only out of the farming community, but also out of the town, out of the, uh, the communities that, you know, the, the number of kids at the schools and the money going through the produce shop and the supermarket, all that sort of thing. Anyway, they, they, she is hell-bent on taking uh, water allocations that were never de- de- designed to be taken out of the irrigation, uh, irrig- uh, intensive irrigation. And that means, so 450 gigalitres, just roughly equates to about 100,000 hectares of irrigated land. Now, given that the farms on average in those areas are between 80 and 150 hectares each, 150 up to 150 hectares in 100,000 hectares of irrigated land, that is going to have a devastating impact on the food that is grown right through that um, New South Wales, Victoria, uh, up uh, lower Queensland areas. And what does that mean? Well, that means less food that we can export and less food that goes on the shelves in Australia, and it will be more expensive. I, I, I think it's terrifying. We should be. In a world that is hungry, uh, populous uh, and demanding of high quality food, Australia should be growing more, not growing less. And these inner city ministers like Tanya Plibersek in the heart of Sydney, who is trying to make sure she doesn't lose her seat to a teal or a green, is making decisions that that are frightening, I think, because food production is something we should protect at all costs. Uh, so, I've just given you a couple of examples, Ben, sorry, at length. Gill yep. nets and, and fishing, uh, net fishing in Queensland, that will extend into the territory, I'm sure. Uh, irrigated agricultural fishing. We know about Murray Watt shutting down the live sheep trade in Western Australia. Uh, this is a government that does not protect agriculture. They don't value food production. And uh, as a nation, we should be very concerned about the role that the Greens have had in an agenda that is not supported in the rest of the world. Uh, I, I had dinner with a German delegation last night. They said that that is that they have lost their food production. They have lost their food production, uh, but not because of the Greens, because of you know the way their economy and their land is structured. But uh, you know the, the Greens agenda in Australia uh, that's influencing Labor is so extreme, you know, we should be alert to it and making sure at the election, you know, we elected a lot of people at the last election, uh, Greens and Teals and and left-wing Labor members who don't support what Australia does, they don't rate what Australia does, and they're putting us in a dangerous situation of not growing enough food, not being able to provide our own energy, not being able to protect well-paid jobs right across this country. And I'm, I'm truly frightened
0: now. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I, I certainly am as well. Senator Susan MacDonald joining us this morning. Can I ask you just quickly around, and we've got to talk about it, the push now and in a lot of ways people and this yes vote and no vote. Uh, Senator, we know the divide that we have, and I talk about this every week. But we've got it really clear now that the government has absolutely gone to celebrities who are just flooding social media. And it's 30% of the population, but they're getting the loudest voice at the moment. Are you concerned about that? Because anybody that looks at it realistically and looks at it sensibly sees both sides. Yet it's just once again this extreme... I mean, Peter Fitzsimons writing that our country will be divided forever if the no vote gets up. I mean, how can that be helpful? I mean, people are entitled to make decisions on their own. I am fascinated, fascinated that this decision um, and the way it's going and the campaigning that's taking place is almost sickening.
1: Well, Ben, I have enormous confidence in Australians that... uh, a big, flashy campaign run by uh, inner-city elites and by um, overseas, you know, uh, glamour uh, sporting stars. And uh, that, that you know, Australians can look at that and weigh that up, but still make a decision in their own minds about what they believe is good for the country. Yep. Uh, just Enterprise, Warren Mundine, Karen Little, they have all been incredibly brave and the personal abuse that they've copped from those sort of people um, has been nothing short of extraordinary and has no place in, in our Australian
0: uh, oh, correct. You know,
1: society. Correct. So um, I, I don't feel worried about that. What I do feel worried about is in, uh, is in regional Queensland in particular, people say to me, oh, I haven't met anybody who's voting yet. It'll all be right. It'll be right. Uh, because they think that the the no case is divisive and they don't want to see it get up. I'm sorry, the yes case is divisive and they don't want to see it get up. But uh, the the thing that I worry about is that too many people uh, are saying, I don't know anybody who's voting yes. I worry that people might get um, too relaxed about it, they won't turn up to vote, that they won't encourage their children, their employees to turn up to vote and that we might have uh, big populations in the cities, who you know, it's very easy for them just to go down and vote, um, you know, during the pre-poll period, uh, and and that we will end up with these big numbers from the cities, and that regional people um, will will take it a bit lightly. So you know, my appeal to to everybody is. Make sure that you have either enrolled for a pre-poll vote, vote, or that you've you've made sure that you've gone in to vote. All of your family, all of your employees, all of your uh, workforce have all done the same thing, because uh, that's that's our greatest risk. Um, no question, we are overrun by yeah by the big populations in the cities because we've taken
0: it all a bit lightly. You couldn't have said it any better, and that's the concern for everybody, I think. I don't think there's any two ways about it, that everybody is very, very concerned moving forward um, that that happens. Quickly, and I know how busy you are, Qantas, um, the, the workers finally get a win. Alan Joyce did the wrong thing. Qantas did the wrong thing. Anthony Albanese has done the wrong thing, and in time... We will see that. It has been poorly handled. It has been really a, a dreadful situation for what is a proud, proud airline and one that I choose to fly on. But, gee whiz, they're in some trouble.
1: Well, you're right. Qantas has been the national carrier. We're always proud and relieved to see the, the red kangaroo on the tail. Uh, and and uh, But I think under the leadership of Alan Joyce, uh, he's undermined the, the foundations of that business, He's uh, not being investing in new aircraft, uh, the outsourcing of staff, um, the using of influence to, to block competition like Qatar Airways. Uh, these are all things that don't set Qantas up for good stead. Uh, I think that the, uh, the board needs to be... There needs to be questions asked of the board. What did they know? How aware of this agenda were they? Because at the end of the day, it is the board that appoints the CEO. Uh, because Australians, uh, not just the shareholders and the super funds that own Qantas these days, uh, but Australians more broadly, we expect more from Qantas. And, uh, and I think it's important that they, they really deeply think about um, have they done the right thing by the country who has so long supported Qantas. But I'll just give you a, a, an example of how deep this is run then is that in the Senate uh, last week, Labor has done the right thing and and been pushing back against an inquiry into a very uh, important project for the Northern Territory, uh, defending the the resources sector in the Northern Territory. Um, But last week, they folded to the Greens and gave them that inquiry to stop uh, the Australian people being able to see documents around the decision into blocking guitar air, uh, airways, uh, flying uh, the additional slots into Seriously. the Australian capital cities. So, you know, that's something is, serious... Something
0: is not right. There's
1: something... Very, yeah. very amiss, isn't there? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that... Um, yeah, it's very serious, Ben, and, and uh, Bridget is doing a great job getting up an inquiry into that, uh, we need to find out exactly what happened and hold the government um, and Alan Joyce to account on this. Looking
0: forward to talking to you next week. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much for being with us, Senator Susan MacDonald, on this Friday morning.
1: Have a terrific day. Thanks, Ben.
0: Good on you. We'll take a break. Come back. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, the Grove Shorthorn had their 40th on-property shorthorn sale yesterday. To talk us through what was a fantastic sale with an average of twelve thousand one hundred seventy-eight for one hundred and twenty-six bulls, averaged is Spencer Morgan, the stud principal. Spend. Good morning, and thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, good
2: on you, Dolo. How are you,
0: Wes? Really well. Congratulations, um, and for yourself, just a, a wonderful sale. Um, yeah. Obviously, with everything going on around the country and the beef, the beef industry just not on its knees, but under some real pressure with weather and and just markets at the moment. To have a sale like that just must give you so much confidence, Um, firstly, for your purchases that, you know, believe in your cattle, but internally with what you guys are doing and and the commercial cattlemen you are and the principles that you build this stud on, you must be extremely happy with that result.
2: Yeah, mate, we were very, very pleasantly surprised, to be honest. It was a... um yeah, been a tough couple of weeks leading into it just with as you say, all the negative negativity around the the industry at the moment with the weather and and uh, and prices that you know, falling off the cliff as they have. But it's you know, yeah, the people that came and support us were you know, they were all they were all there to to breed for, you know, they know that these calves aren't gonna be Subject to the prices we're receiving at the moment and I think everyone's on the same page you know, that, that a rain will make a big difference to the, the, the cattle outlook you know it's just you know, just need some rain and I think yeah, I don't know the bureau saying it's not going to rain again and and um, it's not
0: real helpful those kind of comments is it like
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it but it, but it, I, look, I think it is I, I, I've got a feeling that we are going to get you know fair Summer storms through, not going to come in time to save winter crops or anything. But I think in the in the you know in the early spring and early summer, I think we will get our fair share of storms. Just had a few come through. Not that we've got any here, but they're they're about earlier than normal, and I don't think that generally happens in the you know proper dry. So yeah,
0: Spen, we've got to talk. I mean, congratulations. The Grove have been you know at the forefront, but yesterday a mile grove record was broken. Um, the dearest bull you've ever sold through the ring. Uh, a bull yesterday made $100,000. Um, it was lot 12. And it, the grove witness um, sold to Sandy Munro, very, very well known uh, from Wee Bola, Bola Uh Just an awesome result. Um, and, a, and, a, and a sale price record for yourself. Can you just talk to us firstly about the breeding of this bull and how special he was and, and, and then just the $100,000, what that means to the Grove to, to break that record for yourselves and how important it is that that bull will go back into the genetic pool of the short on breed.
2: Yeah, look, it was, again, it was part of the surprise of the day, I guess. Um, I mean, he's a bull that we really thought long and hard about selling. We were going to keep him and then, you know, I mean, you always think that you've got to have a lead, you know, the lead bull for the sale, so we end up putting him in We've Already collected a bit of semen, so we're still going to use the bull pretty heavily ourselves. And, and, mate, he's just one of those, uh, yeah, I guess he, he changed it. He, well, he, he, sort of defies what we've always believed in that you can't have, uh, you can't have quality combined with, with quantity, you know. Like, I mean, he's, he's a two year old bull that weighs just on a ton, had an eye muscle area hundred and fifty and an IMF scan of seven point five and so it's a, he's a he just looked he, beautiful skin bull, beautiful footed, beautiful temperament. Um, yeah, he he was a bull that we had a lot of time for, but I you know, I did I had no idea that he was gonna go for that money and um and as you say, we're we're very pleased that he's uh that he's going back into you know a, an old, long-established short stud, and um, he'll, he'll do a lot of good for the wee of herd. He really will, you know. You know, and um, and just grateful for the, the underbidder, a commercial buyer whose family have been uh, buying bulls us for fifty years. Uh, yeah, this is their fiftieth year. We have a little presentation to the Brownley family and. Oh,
0: I think it's awesome, and I'm I'm going to say it. Stuart Brownley was the underbitter, and Stuart and, and you know, the Brownley family have been huge supporters of the Grove Shorthorn. They, you know, you know, from John and Campbell, both of them, and then and then the next generation was Stuart. They have stuck solid like, and and you've got regular clients that have always been like that. But to be fair, the Brownley family have been there from from the inception. They've always used Grove Shorthorn blood, and the success has been, you know, paramount with how how the performance has gone from their commercial operation. And for sure, Brownlee yesterday to be underbidder, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, he was losing bidder at $98,000. And, you know, I've got to be honest with you, you know, he's as important as Sandy Munro, who bought the bull from Wee Walla to make 100 grand. And, and everybody realised that J- just speaks volumes of how committed they are to your herd as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Look, there was plenty on him up until about 40, I think. And then 40 or 50, I don't know where where the others dropped out. But then, uh, yeah, Stu and Sandy went toe-to-toe. And, yeah, it was it was very spirited bidding. And it was, yeah, you know, it was a great. It was great, you know, like, um, yeah, very, very rewarding, I guess.
0: Um, mate, you, you've been busy with your Durham Blacks and you're a big believer of this and, and obviously – your, your ninety plus short horn bulls sold, and they were and was awesome. Your Durham Black bulls, they're still obviously there's still a market, and, and you had some new people come and purchased, and bulls went all 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 different places to Alice Springs, up into the Gulf. There was a lot of a lot of your short and Durham and Blacks that went all through the state, where traditionally they used to obviously only stay on the downs and and in the southern parts, but the the eating quality and the doability and the adaptability has been paramounted with what you're breeding and and it just shows where the bulls are going now.
2: Well, absolutely. We had a we had a real spread on them. We had them from uh, you know, lands over in Western Australia through to South Australia, as you say Northern Territory, New South Wales, and all parts of Queensland. It, we, it is a real yeah, real. Uh, geographical spread on where they went and, and, um, and look, they go into, you know, they've gone in some, some fellas, are, you know, we had some new buyers that are, are taking them right up into the north, you know, and um, both in the Territory and the Gulf in Queensland, they, a few of them are going north of Kappa, and a few of them are going right up in the Gulf in Queensland, so it'll be, you know, it, it'll be um, very interesting to watch their progress and see how they go and and you know their the fellows are aware that they they want them to do their job and they're prepared to prepare to do you know just look after a little bit more after the end of that first season than you yeah, normally would so you know with the bumble so it's it's good
0: no it's wonderful what a result and i'm sure you know you, you last night was a you know a bit of a reflection you sort of sat back and and to everybody that was involved $100,000 bull lot 12 being sold. A Grove record yesterday to Sandy Munro from Wee Ballaballa Shorthorns in Moree. Uh, underbidder was uh, Stuart Brownlee. But what a result for the Grove Shorthorns. Um, over $12,000 average um, just on 126 bulls offered. Just a, a wonderful result. Congratulations to yourself and all the family. Uh, a great result. mate, you move on.
2: Yeah, move on. That's it, Dominic. That is it. We've, uh, yeah, no, no, let's move on to the next thing at the moment. But yeah, look, it's, uh, yeah, very, very nice to get the, you know, to get that vote uh, of confidence from the, from our clients to, you know, to keep going in. in what seems like it's a tough time. You I know, mean, seems a very tough time, and and for them to come out and spend, you know, hard earned dollars on our genetics is. You know, it's very rewarding and very humbling,
0: so yeah. Yeah, well, it's all warranted. Appreciate your time this morning. Congratulations. Thanks so much for being with us. Good on you. Thanks, Benjamin. Good on you. We'll take a break. $100,000 um, for the first time ever at the Grove Short Horns yesterday, Lot 12, um, and 126 bulls offered, and the power of breeding and performance once again on show. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, the push from the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, To try and get clean energy, and now saying that it will make us rich, is a little bit far-stretched. Now, this was reported, and by everybody, um, he he has declared at the Future Energy Forum that clean energy is the spark needed to boost jobs and manufacturing and make Australia rich. Boy, The global clean energy, and this is reported in the Courier-Miles, which is the nation's biggest chance for growth and prosperity by creating jobs, renewing manufacturing, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has mentioned. Now, today there will be a future energy event in Sydney and Anthony Albanese is the keynote speaker. You notice how manufacturing has been something that they've shut down and jobs, but what they're trying to say is that Hey, 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 if we go to clean energy, all that will come back. He acknowledges that many Australians are feeling the pressure of higher power bills. Of course they are. Of course they are. Everything's getting sold to overseas. He will use um, much of the blame to the short-term pressures triggered by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. we, Anthony Albanese, will also point to a record $2.5 trillion in global funds that are poured into renewable energies last year, highlighting investment in solar alone this year to outstrip global oil production for the first time. The energy transition will open up the door for thousands of good, secure jobs, with an extra 12,000 workers needed by 2025 to support the national energy market transition. Albanese will argue that surging embrace of electric cars illustrates the clean energy presence, pointing to record global sales last year of $10 and plus Plus Australian sales are up 121% on last year. I mean, does he really think that, you know, we're going to be able to, with tractors, the batteries can't last at the moment. The cost of it, at this present moment, in for the agriculture and regional sector, I get if you've got a Tesla and you've got an electric car and it makes you feel good and you drive from Milton to Paddington and, oh, you feel wonderful and you're a surgeon there and that makes you feel like you're doing your bit. But seriously, this is not the answer. It's about unity. It's about having a bit of both. A strong economy makes a better future. Energy is the spark that drives it. The jobs, the communities, the cities, the industries... The very country that we want to create is all intertwined with energy. Energy security is about securing jobs. Now, I mean, he's done this thing, wind farms and workforce and and solar and all this stuff the Prime Minister's gone on with. It actually is a little bit concerning to me because I've never seen it. We're We're at two poles apart with where we're going. We're absolutely in completely different spheres at the moment. And the problem being is that everybody is concerned about what they are doing. Now, Mount Isa is to host a nuclear power forum. So we've got the Prime Minister down in Sydney saying this is the way forward. Yet next month, Mount Isa will host its first kind community-led discussion around the energy in future focusing on nuclear power. What if we want nuclear? It's being staged by the Catter Party and the member for Trago, Robbie Catter, and it's a frank discussion about nuclear power production in Australia. Barnaby Joyce has been saying this and so has Matt Canavan for a long time. Australia's energy future was at the heart of the issue and people are concerned about the rising effect of cost of living and national security. Of course they are. Billions of dollars' worth of public money is being poured into renewables without a willingness to consider other technology. So you've got the Prime Minister one way, and this is where we are. The Queensland member is invested in this issue, and that's Robbie Catter. He believes staging a discussion in the North West, which for more than a century has punched above its weight in terms of providing all the commodities for the nation and the world's needs in time. Uranium is a good fit. He said, and rightly so, and this is where Robbie Catter is speaking to the heart of all of us, rural and regional peoples are often forgotten by the elites and the bureaucrats who are designing our futures and want to build it on a bigger platform. Well, that's exactly what the Prime Minister is doing today. Western Queensland, with our natural resources and our copper string transmission network being delivered, can provide an ideal mix energy supply to all Queenslanders and that is as simply um, so they can talk about nuclear. Why not? He confirmed the adjunct professor, Stephen Wilson, would deliver a keynote address. He's an energy economist who is an engineer with over 30 years' experience in energy systems and markets of all kinds. He's worked on all different projects in 30 countries as a consultant. Mr Catter said the Nuclear Power Forum was non-political and should be viewed as an opportunity for the public. It'll be taking place on the 4th of October. Well, I mean, this is the thing. You've got to have these discussions. And I'm, I'm very, very proud that Robert Catter is doing this. He's opening up opportunities for people to actually listen. But the problem is, at the moment, is between, and we heard from Senator Susan McDonald at the start of the show, from the very outset... We've got a government hell-bent on just appeasing the Greens and making sure that they can push whatever they want through to make themselves feel better. Never have we been in a bigger predicament. The metropolitan areas in the big cities feel good about themselves, but they just don't know where this food comes from and where their energy comes from, where their supply comes from. It comes from us. Yet we're the ones who have to go under and bow to all these laws. We're the ones who are having solar farms put up next door to us. We know those stories. We've spoken to Greg Bennett, 70 kilometres from the Great Barrier Reef, solar farms going up. Countless people have rung me about wind farms. Countless. It's almost embarrassing what's going on. Yet we continue and continue and continue and continue to listen to this rhetoric from the Prime Minister. We've also got a Premier, right, And she she is hell-bent on trying, oh, we're talking about recycling water now. We're getting back to that old chestnut. So you heard from countless people, the Bureau of Meteorology is not going to rain. Now they trot out that Queenslanders are supporting drinking recycled water more now than ever as the new height of millennium droughts is coming. I mean... Do they want to scare us any more than what they already do? They they're fabricating, and I don't want to be a doomsday, but they are making it out way worse than what it is to push their agenda. So, the likelihood of a drier than usual summer could have serious impacts on the state's dam levels. Southeast Queensland's dam levels are just over seventy percent on Wednesday, down from ninety-six point eight percent in February. Let's wait and see what they look like next February. They have held off officially announcing an El Nino, but confirmed early this month it was likely. The latest climate driver updates El Nino at a 70% chance of developing in the coming months. And The Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk, along with Water Minister Glenn Butcher at the government, on whether to splash an $8 billion building for another desalitation plant. Well, we've got one in Ipswich it's never been used. Never. Been built, never been used. Come on, Premier. Come on, Prime Minister. Let's focus on the things that matter. Let's get our health right. Let's get our housing right. Let's get interest rates down. Let's not get into bed with Qantas and make deals to stay, so they can keep these uh, shareholders happy. Let's make it more affordable for people to get into the bush. Let's make the regions prosper. Not making all these people in the cities always continually appease to them. Remember where your bread's buttered. Instead of being the do-gooders and wearing your little hats and coming out here and shaking hands, get out here and get something done. We'll take a break. Come back Rural Queensland today. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland Today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We're back same time, same place on Monday morning. The best of will be on tomorrow morning. Have a great weekend. Ray Hadley to join you next. And remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Till next time, from all the team here at Rural Queensland Today, stay safe on the roads and bye for now.